You know, I believe that anyone can make a positive difference in the world, great and small. I see it every day. And you don't have to be a celebrity or billionaire to do it. All you really need is the desire to use your unique gifts, talents, and passions, and then to simply begin. Hi, I'm Linda Mackey, and welcome to The Eloquent Entrepreneur, a place where I have conversations with everyday changemakers just like you. Join us and hear inspiring stories, hard-won wisdom, and discover practical tools to help you accelerate your impact. So whatever you're doing right now, listen in and prepare to be inspired. Hey everyone, it's Linda Mackey here of The Eloquent Entrepreneur. And today we're talking to a very special guest. She's actually um, a friend and colleague and client of mine and an amazing designer. And um, her title, I guess, is really uh, self-explanatory in a way, but it really describes who she is and uh, what she really values and what she does. So she's an environmentalist, she's an educator, and she's a, a sustainable graphic designer. And her name is Emma Fanning, and she's the founder of her company called Little Fox Design. And she's also a carbon neutral design studio, and we're gonna ask her about that in a little bit. Um, and she's also um, been named one of the 10 to watch on uh, Douglas Magazine recently. So here she is, Emma Fanning. Thank you so much for joining me. It's been a while since we talked about chatting, and I'm so happy to have you. Well, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be on your show. Thank you. Well, you are a huge inspiration to me, and I know you are to many other people. So I'd love to just give you the floor and just tell us about you and what you do and how you're making a difference now in your business now that you've really made a focus on sustainable design. Yeah, so basically I'm a sustainable graphic designer and brand designer. So what that means is that I help companies and small businesses design um, their entire visual identity. So that includes their logos, their color palettes, all of their marketing materials, their business cards, anything like that. And so in terms of anything that we design together, especially if it's print design, I have a real focus on making it as environmentally friendly as possible. So this most commonly means printing on 100% recycled paper, making sure that forestry supply chains are verified and that the workers and the ecosystems are both being treated fairly. And you know, using plant-based inks instead of petroleum-based inks and just making sure that what I create for my clients can be recycled and is creating a, a minimal impact on the planet. And I think that's something that a lot of designers don't necessarily think about because, you know, you're working with a printer and you print some business cards and you don't really think anything else of it. But I, I think it's really important to sort of consider the entire life cycle of each thing that you create because I am responsible for bringing things that didn't exist before into the world. And so it's very important to me that I minimize that impact and minimize that impact for my clients too, because I think it's really important going forward that we all are more eco-conscious. For sure. And I love that you are um, so young and I've been dying to ask you, I know um, this kind of switch in your brain came over a conference and I'd love to you to tell us like the journey that you came from and how did you kind of become so wise in your young age into be able to you know a lot of young people maybe would just go okay well I'll just keep doing, doing what I was doing but what happened with you and how did you like what switched in your brain I think is what people would like to know yeah so you know I've uh, been a designer for about 
five, six years now, and I've only been doing the sustainable design for about one and a half. And so a couple of years ago, I was really, you know, I cared a lot about the environment. It was something that I always cared about as a child, going down to the ocean, living on the beach. It was really important part of my childhood. And, you know, I, I, growing up on the ocean, you sort of see changes in what's happening with the environment. And, you know, at Tofino, I saw the sand dollars disappear. And, you know, at Botanical Beach, I saw all the sea urchins go and it just left with these like empty sandstone holes in, in the um, oceanscape. And, you know, I, I, I noticed this, but I was sort of, I didn't know what to do. And, you know, I started trying to make sustainable changes in my own life. So reducing my plastics, minimizing my, you know, energy use and stuff, and just really seeing how I could make a difference with just my own actions. But I, I wasn't sure how to sort of um, like combine that with my design work. And so I started like looking for green graphic design, sustainable graphic design, what's out there, what can I do? And I didn't really find a whole lot. Um, it was sort of mm -hmm. something that had been talked about like 10 years ago. And there were a few books, but they were out of date. And there was a lot of misinformation there. And it was an okay starting spot, but there had been no sort of like active research going on in the last 10 years for this field. And no one was really talking about it. So I was a little unsure whether or not this was something worth pursuing, whether or not it had a real impact, and whether or not my clients would care, because I sort of thought that they maybe wouldn't. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, so I, I had the opportunity to be at a conference, a design conference, at the Adobe conference in Los Angeles, and there was a, a really sort of prominent figure in the design community who owned a big agency in LA. And he was doing a question and answer with people. And he had a real focus on sort of design business education. So I decided to ask him, what, what can designers do in terms of climate crisis and minimizing our impact? And, you know, he laughed. He said, ah, I don't think that's something that's worthwhile. You know, look after yourself first. Maybe when you're rich and successful, you can donate some money later. And hearing this come from such a big industry professional who is so widely respected was so it felt like such a betrayal. It, it was such a like pivotal moment for me that I realized that, okay, I know that he's wrong and I know that he is not thinking far enough in the future and he's a smart individual, but he does not have the right sort of like thinking for this. And I knew that even though I didn't know what to do and I was going to have to figure it out and do all the work myself, I was going to just figure out how to be a sustainable designer and how to incorporate those practices in my work for my clients. And eventually I realized that this was basically just, I needed to read a lot. I needed to read about forestry. I needed to read about printing. I needed to read about paper. I needed to read about climate and emissions and what that actually means. I needed to read about trees and figure out, okay, they sequester all this carbon. You know, what does this mean? How can I use this information to make more sustainable choices in my work? And basically the ticket is don't stop reading. <laughs> so... <laughs> read as much as you can for like the academic literature in your field for adjacent things even just like really good nonfiction books that are not necessarily academic papers but are still very informative um you know read as much as you can on the topics that you're interested in and that is the way of getting the knowledge that you need to be able to make good yeah. decisions in your work especially if you're trying to go into a very niche field like i was 
so yeah, I basically just read as much as I could. And, you know, I have a bookshelf now of progressive nonfiction that I've consumed. And it's been incredibly helpful in terms of talking to my clients about what I'm doing, explaining why these things are important, and really helping them understand their place in both the world and the business community and how they can make a difference in their company and in the world by using more sustainable techniques or marketing in their business. Yeah, and that's really amazing. And I, I was just thinking, what a testament to your generation. Um, I mean, I'm, I am older than you, so I come from a different generation. But I mean, it just goes to show the values that each generation holds. So for somebody, I don't know how old this person is, but you know, it really shows what the values are of that generation and you know, what they're really focusing on. And um, you know, for you to be such a young person and really thinking outside of the box and saying, no, you know, that is how leaders are born. And I'm really proud of you for taking the reins of this fearlessly um, and, you know, creating a movement. And now you're going to be, um, I think you've already positioned yourself as uh, a thought leader in this area and that you are going to direct people in that. And I know you're already directing people in this direction, which we'll get into a little bit more. Um, I guess one of the questions that I like to ask is, you know, I mean, obviously the planet is a huge <laughs> inspiration <laughs> yeah. why you're doing this. And that's, you know, I think a given. Um, but I'm just wondering like where this strong passion and determination and focus comes from. And, um, you know, how do you see this work or your movement act, like in practice making a difference? Because I know you've been doing this for a year and a half. And I know you've worked with companies and clients that are environmentally conscious and stuff like that. Um, How is it manifesting now? And how do you see it making a difference, like, evidentially? You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. Yeah. So basically, to answer the first part, and then the second part sort of has a (laughs) multi-pronged approach. But to answer the first part, my passion comes from the fact that Honestly, I'm quite scared about the future. It's pretty terrifying to think about. Um, the, the fact is we have 10 years, well, nine now, to fix our you know, emissions and reduce our, the global warming to 1.5 uh, degrees Celsius. And you know, we don't have a lot of time to do that. And if we fail to do that, there's no turning back from that. We've set off all these, you know, um, chain yeah. reactions that honestly we can't fix. We do not have the power to fix them. There is no technology that will save us. So that eventually looks like a planet that is relatively uninhabitable by the time that I'm 60, 65, 70. And that is a short life. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> this is something that is, as a young person, uh, I'm very stressed about, obviously. I have a lot of anxiety. And so my work, my passion comes from just trying to help myself understand these concepts better so that I can feel more comfortable in not necessarily what's happening, but I I understand what will happen. And that helps me a lot feel more comfortable about the issues and more comfortable about how I can make changes in my life that has small impact, um, but can maybe inspire others. So right now I work a lot with, um, obviously eco-conscious brands, but also business owners that are never really thought about it, but they're realizing, oh, this is something that's important. I want to make some changes. I don't know how. 
So I love working with those people too, because as long as people are interested and engaged and really want to sit down and take the time and maybe take a little bit of extra budget time or, or budget requirements to, to work on a sustainable solution, then that's really inspiring to me because mm. honestly, it's a really hard thing to figure out. There are so many different solutions and there's so many different, you know, people in power trying to direct conversations and, you know, we need to figure out what actually is the most sustainable thing to do. And so you know, I, I really love helping business owners figure that out. And so that's sort of something that I want to push a little bit more into in the coming year. Um, and I, I want to offer sort of more consulting services for integrating green business practices into your business model and into your communication and messaging with your clients. So, you know, you made these changes. Maybe you printed, you changed all your marketing materials over to 100% recycled paper. That's amazing. Now, how can we communicate that to your clients so that you can stand out from your competitors and really show the value that you bring and, and the care and commitment that you are trying to, you know, start um, with, with switching over your marketing materials or whatever it is. And so I'd really love to have like larger impact with that by being able to like go in and do consulting with companies and really sort of like evaluate more of their business than just perhaps their logo and color scheme. Exactly. Yeah. And I see that you are doing a lot more. Part of the consulting is educating. And um, I'm just curious because I know you do work with and have worked with um, environmentally conscious and I know you have policies around that. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe speak to that a little bit and how you like what challenges are you facing? Because I know there's, you know, obviously the, the climate change deniers and there's people that just are naive, right? And, you know, all the different generations have different values. And, you know, the older generation, I mean, I, I remember it took me ages to convince my dad to recycle. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's a challenge, I think, in that area. But I'd love to hear from your point of view what challenges you faced around those things. So most of the challenge that I have is in the education component. I think there are a lot of people that really do care. And obviously there's going to be some climate change deniers and there's going to be some people that just don't think that this is worth any amount of time. And I've had clients like that. And, you know, I basically cut ties with them and I was like, you know, this isn't, this isn't a positive relationship for either of us. It's not working out. I'm not the right fit for you as a designer. And I, I, that's fine. You know, those people exist. Those aren't the people that I want to work with or really think that, are worth spending time on, um, which is kind of harsh, but if someone is really deep in climate change denial, there's not a lot that I can actually say to them that is going to change their mind. I think there's a lot more power to be had in having conversations with people that are interested and just don't know where to start. Because, you know, what? where do you start? The zero waste movement, like recycling, emissions, walking yeah. more, biking, you know, there's, there's so many different facets to this movement. And, you know, people that are maybe feeling shy or uncomfortable about making one change because they feel that they have to make all the changes at once then and it's sort of like an all or nothing zero sum and you know that's not true it's it's perfectly fine to take small steps and just implement things one at a time because mm -hmm. any kind of transition or big life um, change that you're making if you kind of go from like all or nothing um, you're not going to have much success it's like transitioning over to a vegetarian or vegan diet yeah. The slower you do it, the more likely you're going to succeed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, of course, you know, it's important to keep in mind, you know, planet timelines. But like for the average business owner, just making a few changes in terms of sustainable marketing can really have an impact. So it's mostly about talking to them and, and you know, 
letting them know, oh, did you know your business cards have a plastic laminate on them? And that means they go to landfill. A lot of people don't know that, you know, mm -hmm. a lot of people have no idea they're making these everyday decisions that they don't even think about, but have a negative impact. And so it's people really want to know, I think, I know <laughs> yeah. I want to know as a business owner, am I doing, am I harming the planet by picking yeah. cardstock over that, you know? <laughs> yeah, so. exactly. Um, and it, it's so much to figure out and that's where I come in and, you know, help people understand what their impact is and, you know, maybe let them know about sort of bigger issues that they could work on with their company. And, you know, maybe that turns into something more, but I think it's really important getting those little wins in because once you sort of start doing something and you, you achieve a success, like your business cards are hundred percent recycled paper and you're really proud of that and they look amazing you're going to want to sort of like keep that positive energy and maybe go, oh, maybe I'll try, you know, my brochures next, or maybe I'll buy a different type of paper for my printer at home. And, mm. you know, it's sort of like building on those small wins to have it be something that's like a really fun, positive experience instead of like really negative sort of doom and gloom. Like if I don't do this, yeah. I'm gonna <laughs> like go on fire. But like, it's about, you know, making it sustainable for people to make those changes and have them, know about the education behind it and why they need to make them exactly yeah baby steps turn into sustainable steps so i want to talk a little bit about um you say you were a carbon neutral design company mm -hmm. and i want to sort of talk about because you are a young designer a young business owner and um but you <laughs> have done so much research and you know what you're talking about and you do walk the talk and so I'd love you to sort of talk about that um, and, and, and explain like, you know, that you are uh, a living person who is walking mm -hmm. the talk and, you know, and you've given yourself accountability through your yearly environmental report. So maybe just chat about that a little bit, because I think it's really, really important. Okay, for sure. So basically with my company, I have three sort of main sustainability strategies for my marketing right now. Um, and just general practices. So I have an environmental policy, which basically is integrated into my contracts as well. So it discusses the fact that everything that I work with with my clients is going to be printed on 100% recycled paper or other approved alternative that is environmentally friendly. And that is something they have to sign on and like actually be aware that this is what's happening. They can't change yeah. their mind later. And so it's something that I'm very upfront with my clients about from the very beginning when I first get an inquiry call. I make it very clear that this is sort of what I do. And if they're not on board with that, then they have to go to someone else because even if they like my design work, that's not enough to work with me. And so the second prong is my studio is carbon neutral. So basically what this means is I have worked to reduce the amount of emissions that my business produces as much as I possibly can. And of course there are some things that I can't reduce, like taking the bus still has emissions or the electricity that I use for my laptop. Mm -hmm. And so to offset those, I decided to partner with a local company in Vancouver called Offsetters. And so they sort of have a carbon credit situation where they fund um, carbon sequestration programs across the world, but mostly in BC. And then you can sort of purchase carbon credits to offset your carbon emissions, which they have a full calculator and there's a whole process with how they, you know, calculate what your emissions are. And so it's a very like um, structured process and it takes several months to go through um, just so that they're very clear that, you know, what you're reporting is accurate. You have to submit all your receipts, all your flights, all your everything. Um, 
and then they they vet it and then they go through it and then they give you a total of how many emissions that you are responsible for and how much that will be to offset them. So mm -hmm. I have chosen to offset the emissions through um, basically reforestation projects on Quadra Island locally and also um, protection of old growth forests in the Great Bear Rainforest in BC. So this was really important to me to sort of keep the project local because I'm operating down to BC. I think it's important to keep the money um, and projects locally, but also those ones are very oriented around, um, you know, forest conservation and, um, you know, protection of old growth forests. And I think that is really relevant to what I'm doing, of course, but also it's one of the most effective ways of sequestering carbon. In fact, it's the most effective way. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's not only just, you know, you're buying carbon offsets, you're, you're buying carbon offsets that are really actually drawing CO2 from the air and into the ground for a long-term uh, sort of um, solution. The third portion is, is actually just a uh, environmental impact assessment. So I did that in 2019 um, for the first year. And I basically just looked at my emissions, how I'm offsetting them, the kinds of clients that I work with, and how many pieces of print design was I responsible for putting into the world for my clients. And you know what paper stocks were those on? How were they printed? And so I just wrote up everything I could about my environmental impact and you know my work at owning the studio and put it into a report and it's basically like an annual report but for uh, environmental impact instead mm -hmm. and I published it and so <clears throat> that's a way of being incredibly transparent with my clients about what I'm mm -hmm. doing and how I'm doing it so there's no question about oh is she really offsetting who did she work with it you know does she really use recycled paper it's all there and it's all laid out and if anyone really wants to dig into it absolutely they yeah. can um, because I think that's really, really important in terms of both being credible, but also building trust. Exactly. Yeah. And I love that you are, I mean, you're so passionate about it, but you are very, you're taking this very, very seriously and you're educating other people to do the same and inspiring them to, you know, this is, this is a good thing. You know, we are, we are, we can take steps. And, um, I want to take this back to your journey because I know that, um, like obviously you said you were you were doing this for about a year and a half and um what was your journey leading up to that and sort of um you know how did this i know we talked about it a little bit before but yeah. just a little bit more about the story behind um because i think it's uh it's a very inspirational story and that's what we're all about here is inspiring people to think outside the box well how can i make a difference and i mean when i think about graphic designers i mean i'm a photographer i've worked with a lot of graphic designers over the years and I don't think any of this has really crossed anyone else's minds. <laughs> I mean, maybe they have, but mm -hmm. I don't see anybody else doing it to the extent that you're doing it and you're making it a movement and you're incorporating it into your business with your clients, educating them, and you're making a policy. Whereas I don't know if other uh, graphic designers would take it that far to actually tell their clients, if you don't follow my <laughs> uh, way of doing things, I'm not going to work with you. Kind of thing. My so, way or the highway. <laughs> yeah, I think that really speaks to, you know, how much you are taking this uh, very seriously and that how important it actually is. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So basically, I'm not professionally trained in graphic design. It was a hobby in high school and, you know, I thought I really wanted to work in museums. So I started taking jobs in museums and I found that every single job that I took, I ended up as graphic designer. Um, and it was sort of just one of those 
things that I was always found myself in that role. Eventually I became an in-house designer for a dinosaur museum. And that was really fun for a couple of years. Um, and so, you know, I sort of learned on the job, the rule of design and, and how to design things. And so when I started my company, it was a little bit um, spontaneous, you could say. Uh, I was still in school at the time. I had left the dinosaur museum and I just, you know, had a few sort of inquiries from friends and family. And I decided, why not? I need a business license number to be legal. And so I just created it. And for the first year or so, I really didn't have a direction with what I was doing. I, I didn't have a target demographic. I didn't have a vision. And I barely had a brand for myself, which is pretty embarrassing mm -hmm. as a brand designer. So <laughs> it's all part of the process. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so I was, I was really sort of just like at odds with myself about this passion for sustainability in my personal life and my work as a business. And so I, you know, found the way of integrating them together. And, you know, that really sort of filled in all those gaps and those question marks for me were about what is my brand? Who am I trying to target? What are my goals in life? How am, how, how am I going to feel? feel how, okay, <laughs> that was a tongue twister. <laughs> um, how am I going to feel fulfilled in what I'm doing? And so, you know, I eventually created Little Fox Design, which has its own very clear brand and imagery and target demographic. And, and that was really fun for me to develop that. And I felt so confident in what I was doing after I rebranded, even though the concept was incredibly scary. I had no idea if it was going to work. I didn't know if anyone in Victoria was going to like want to work with me with the environmentally friendly standard. And I just sort of took a gamble on it and I went all in on it. And you know, it worked out great. I, you know, have had my business basically just skyrocket since I've rebranded, which is fabulous. That's and um, I think people, <laughs> people are really seeing the work that I'm putting in and the effort and the research that I'm doing and, and why working with me as Little Fox Design is something that they can't get elsewhere. I'm the only person doing this in the city, at least. So, you know, that sort of real value add and and separation from my competition, I think has really helped my business. And, you know, I think it just goes to show that if you're passionate about something, if you are willing to put the time in to learn whatever it is and, you know, do the reading and, mm -hmm. you know, put the, put the work in to building it, things will work out. Yeah. And it's always, um, it, it is really, it's, it's a bit of a cliche, but it's true that when, you know, we really believe in ourselves and we are so passionate about something and we really put ourselves out there and not worry about the competition, um, that's when we really thrive. And um, yeah, I mean, I just, I am not surprised at all that you are thriving in what you're doing. Um, I am wondering though, like, and I think, you know, because at this time, obviously it's a different, an unusual time that ever we're all going through with COVID-19 and everything. And um, I mean, even like I try to stay positive and inspired and <laughs> all that kind of stuff and, you know, reduce the anxiety and everything like that. Um, so I'm just wondering from where you're sitting, how, how do you stay inspired or what or who inspires you on a daily basis? Um, I think that would be really helpful for people to know. <laughs> okay. Um, right now, um, 
I'm taking a lot of consolation and inspiration, I guess you could say, from Naomi Klein's work. She's published several books on uh, capitalism and, you know, the Green New Deal and sort of the policies that we need to move forward in terms of creating a better, safer planet for everyone. And so she's really writing a lot about climate justice and how individual action can, you know, create these movements that have real change and, and have the sort of things we need to consider when we go forward and we start making this change. Um, so, you know, things like, is it ethical to sell solar panels to Africa? No, but you know, these are the sort of things that need to be considered uh, in terms of going forward and how we actually, you know, lead this movement. Because if we lead it from a purely capitalist perspective where we continue to make money off of the backs of people elsewhere in the global South, that's not an actual progressive way forward. Or if we move forward without providing healthcare for everyone, you know, especially like we're seeing in the States right now, people desperately need healthcare. And so if we move forward without, without that piece, that crucial piece of making sure that people are safe and healthy, that's not a progressive way forward. And, you know, it's not going to be the right solution. So I really am inspired by her work and her advocacy and her activism and how she shares information. So I've just been really, as I always do, reading more about the things that are stressful <laughs> and, you know, uh, you know, really, really scary because this yeah. is an incredibly uh, strange time. You know, the, we haven't experienced anything like this since maybe the Spanish flu. And, you know, most people that went through that aren't alive today. So it's really a transformational time in terms of our economy and politics and you know I don't know where that's going to take us but a shock is happening to our system as Naomi Klein described it and you know this is when change happens so it's mm -hmm. the possibility for incredible positive change you know out of the original Great Depression did come many social safety nets socialist policies environmental policies and mm -hmm. a, a great rise in the art movement so I think there's a lot of things to be hopeful about and positive about, both looking to history and, and looking forward. Mm -hmm. um, of course, it's also an incredibly scary time. And, you know, I think it's important to just, you know, take time for yourself and, and make sure that you're, you're doing okay. I've been spending a lot of time caring for my plants and propagating my succulents. And, you know, I'm finding that that is incredibly inspiring and <laughs> relaxing. So things you know, that bring me joy. Mm -hmm. Um, I love, like, from our conversation, what I'm getting is there's a lot to be said for educating ourselves, and knowledge is power, and um, I think that, you know, from these negative things that have happened in history, like the Spanish flu and, and, and whatever other um, problems that we've had over time, we always learn something, and, and it's interesting to see, you know, the, the countries like Canada and um, some European countries that are really kind of looking after their people and you know because they've learned from previous experiences and I think it's really important for everybody um, individually to you know seek out knowledge and you know learn from people like yourself you know the facts and you know <laughs> because that's <laughs> I mean it's common sense really but I just mm -hmm. see a lot of things or you know I don't know chatter that yeah this doesn't make sense you know people aren't using their common sense and mm -hmm. um but it really is important um you know when i think about you know canada for example i mean stepping up to look after because if the people aren't looked after then they can't um 
thrive. We, we can't learn, we can't grow, we can't look after things exactly, um, and all that. So mm -hmm. yeah, I think that's really important. Yeah. Um, and um, so if you were to give some advice to, you know, people like business, if they could be business owners, they could just be anybody, you know, like there are, you know, people and, and corporate interests that are trying to present information in a certain way. And that is very prevalent in most of our main media and how, for example, issues like climate crisis are reported on. You know, you can even, if you want to take a very extreme example, you can talk about Trump and how he talks about the environment. And I mean, he just blatantly lies. So there's that. But, you know, people believe that. And so there's a lot of, you know, vested power interests that are trying to convince us what the solutions are, how we need to go about, you know, saving the world. And most of those solutions are actually just in their own capitalist interests, which, you know, makes sense for them. But it, it becomes incredibly important that then you as an individual are trying to educate yourself on, you know, what exactly is the right solution, what exactly is the right thing to do, and, you know, how to sort of identify what in the media is, you know, perhaps painted a certain way and has rose-tinted glasses on for whatever that perspective they're trying to put forward is and what the actual truth is because there's a million ways to to string statistics and make them say a certain thing um but you you need the sort of the, the background to understand how things are being reported and how to actually interpret that so you know a thing that's going around right now that's very very popular is the concept that well with COVID-19 obviously it's you know killing people and maybe the earth is cleansing itself because overpopulation, surely that's the issue. And the truth is, it's not at all the issue. Um, the issue is more about animal agriculture and how we treat um, you know, animals for the production of meat under capitalism. Uh, because anytime you have all of these animals in a very close quarters environment and that they aren't, aren't being properly cared for, that's breeding ground for disease. But the thing is, is that even the, the, the emissions burden on, on overpopulation, I'll just run with this example. <laughs> the emissions burden on overpopulation is mostly from North America and mostly from the richest, uh, like five, 10% of people. They have an undue responsibility and for more emissions than anyone else. So you could say, oh, well, you know, the world is overpopulated. All these countries in Africa are still growing their populations, but those people have almost no emissions responsibility because they don't have the same kind of consumption. So mm -hmm it's really just sort of placing the blame onto other countries and other people when we need to take responsibility for our own emissions and, you know, fix our own house first. Um, so that, that ideology and that concept that overpopulation is the problem is really just a way of shoving the responsibility onto someone else um, that's usually racially oriented. So people in China and people in Africa are usually the overpopulated countries. So I think you know, that's important to understand too, is that these aren't sort of innocent ideas. They have mm -hmm. an ideological framework that they're based off of. And it's important to understand what it means because ultimately it is a racist idea. And so it's, it's damaging to sort of talk that up and as, as a real solution when really it has nothing to do with climate change. This is a, a forum for people to, you know, think outside the box, think about, you know, what are they doing? How can I make a difference? How can I, 
move things forward? You know, what do mm -hmm. I have to offer? And that, that's what I, my motivation for this show is really mm -hmm. is to show people that you don't have to be, um, you know, a Leonardo DiCaprio, you don't have to be a celebrity, you don't have to be a David Suzuki, everyone can make, you know, I mean, you are a young business owner who is making a difference. In, in, I think you're making a big impact and you con will continue to do so because you are educating yourself, you're sharing your knowledge and um, you are making it a practice in your business. So I think mm -hmm. it's really, really, you know, you are a leader in the making, I would say, you know, um, and you are making a difference right now. So that's, we want to inspire other people who maybe don't think that they have the power to do mm -hmm. anything. And, um, but the, the point is that we all do, we have some, even if it impacts one person. Yeah. Right. So that's mm -hmm. sort of the point of the point of all this. So, um, so in five years from now, um, what would you say your dreams and aspirations for your business and ultimate vision in how you want to make an impact in the world? So, you know, jump forward to five years <laughs> yeah. or earlier, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> you didn't have that much time. <laughs> <laughs> well, Right now, I have a huge educational focus. So, you know, on my Instagram and my social media, I am really trying to educate the community of people that I'm building there. And, you know, that's sort of been the most inspiring thing that has sort of shifted mm -hmm. how I felt about the next five years. Because for a while there, I just thought it was going to be a design studio, even a sustainable design studio, and that's it. But I found that it's so incredibly inspiring talking with people who are interested in the same kinds of things as me and seeing them, you know, read my posts and go, oh, you know, yesterday I, I saw that, you know, I remembered your, your post that metallic foiling on business cards means it can't be recycled. And I told my client, no, don't do that. Mm. And, and they didn't do it. And that to me is like the greatest thing. The fact that I could share something yeah. and it had an impact on someone and then they proceeded to advise that's their clients. A great example of one small thing that stops somebody from using foil in their business cards. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's, these, it's these real little baby steps that kind mm. of are the most interesting and inspiring thing to me. So I really want to build on that. I, I want to do more speaking engagements. I want to talk at conferences. I want to be able to do consulting for businesses, go in and have workshops and really sort of have a bigger impact on what is happening i hope that you can't hear the siren outside okay. <laughs> i'm gonna wait till it goes past that's okay it's all right it's gone <laughs> um <laughs> so yeah i really want to do more in the educational space which is a surprise to me because i didn't realize that that was a passion until i started doing it and you know i started doing it mostly because i just wanted to share the information and i you know, when I went looking for the research, I couldn't find it. So I wanted to share what I was doing for others. And the response has been far more positive than I could have ever imagined. You know, there's, I have like 900 followers on Instagram now, which is still like little, but that's a lot. Because when I started the sustainable design thing, I had about 300 and they weren't engaged. Like they were just sitting there. But now I have this whole community of people that, you know, care about what I'm doing and are interested in learning more. And you know, sharing and adapting their practices. And I, I think that's incredible. So, you know, in the next five years, I'd love to build on that, create a course for green graphic design, you know, create more maybe online workshops in this time about sustainable strategy or something and, and really just move forward more with the, you know, 
uh, consulting sort of side of things and education. Of course, I, I love the brand design. I don't ever want to remove that from what I'm doing, but mm-hmm. I, I love talking with people so much and, and sharing this information and, and helping other people make sustainable choices. So that's, yeah, that's amazing. I love your Instagram and I love all the, like, I love just all the little bits of information that are just, it's so relevant and um, you know, people are really, I think yearning for that, like, cause they, I think, I think what I'm seeing is kind of like, you know, especially during this time, people are really utilizing the time to educate themselves. Um, we're all teachers and I'm, I'm starting to say now that we're all change makers because I really believe, especially in a time like this, we all want to make a difference. And I think it's really important to, you know, I'm, I, I feel like I'm making a difference with the show because I want to highlight people like yourself who, you know, you're not a celebrity, you're not a, you know, a famous environmentalist like David, you know what I mean? Like you're, you're um, a, a business owner who's super passionate about your future <laughs> and the future of, you know, future generations. And um, you love, you love design. And so it's such a beautiful marriage. And I think that um, there's so many other businesses and people out there that have a lot to share and a lot to teach and a lot to give and a lot to, you know, um, you know, that they can combine their gifts and talents and passions. Um, so we're all kind of like they say in this together. <laughs> um, but I mean, I think it's really um, great that you are, you know, you have aspirations, you have a vision and, you know, you are taking this very seriously and sharing it with the world. So that's really important. Um, so I guess, I guess one of the questions I want to ask you, and then I want to talk about our work together a little bit in photography. Um, but given the situation, because um, I've heard a lot of people say, oh, it's not the right time to start a business. And I kind of have a different take. I feel like it is a good time to start a business, um, but I'd love to hear your take on it and how it pertains to you know, making a difference for the planet and kind of your vision of things. Yeah, this is an interesting one because I'm sort of, I'm sort of torn on it. Because I, I think there is the real potential for this to be a great time for, for people to work on something that they're passionate about and, and really potentially build that into a business because, you know, most of us are at home. Some people still have to work their essential jobs and, you know, that's sort of different. But, you know, it, it's so, so, yeah, if there's I think if there's something that you're really passionate about and you have the sort of like emotional energy and the physical energy right now to to actually start creating or building that i i think it's a good idea um but the there's the other side too where it's not like we're on a paid vacation the globe is sort of collectively experiencing a traumatic event and you know it can be very difficult to even find the motivation to you know get up and brush your hair and have a shower and put on makeup that's like a lot to ask Um, And I think that the sort of difficulty on life has been just turned up into these basic tasks that are really, (laughs) you know, you don't maybe wouldn't think a second thought about them suddenly become more difficult. So I think that, you know, if you have an idea and you are feeling like you emotionally can't work on it right now because of everything that's going on with COVID and the stress of not being able to see your friends and family, or maybe some of them are sick or maybe you have real financial struggle because you're not in a country that is supporting you financially through this time. That's okay. It doesn't have to be the time where you, you know, start the next great thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it should sort of, 
I think the best advice that I have for, you know, like even just myself and talking with my friends about this is to do as much work if you want to, if that's going to make you feel better as you're able. And maybe that's 20 minutes a day or maybe one day it's six hours. And whatever that is, that's okay. And there's no sort of like timeline. You do not have to hustle in this time if you do not want to. If you really want to, that's amazing and you should totally go for it. But <laughs> it's okay to take the time off and just, you know, look after yourself and make sure that you're doing okay uh, because this is a, you know, really trying time and, you know, it, it is difficult. Um, so don't feel bad if you can't, if you can't do it right now. That's okay. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, um, you know, I, I do see, I see a lot of, well, I've seen businesses grow out of this, like, you know, home delivery services and, and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. I see that, uh, you know, the possibilities are out there. Yes. And then, like you said, if you're, you're feeling drawn or driven, um, it could be a good time because I think new businesses are evolving out of this, just the situation, like what are the mm -hmm. needs? And um, I think there is opportunity there um, to create sort of like, because we're all online now, it's like there could be some really interesting uh, opportunities for, to grow Mm -hmm. that's going to move us forward and hopefully i mean for some people absolutely yeah. uh and, and of course for some it's going to completely destroy their business so yeah it's i know there's always more sides to yeah <laughs> <laughs> um okay so um i just wanted to chat with you because i know we did some work together and um i do branding photography for business owners and um my kind of shift came I've, I've seen it over the years, just working with doing business headshots, basically, and just seeing a lot of my clients who are making a difference, um, either in their business or in addition to their business. And so I know we started working together and I'd love to know how photography has helped you and your business and your cause and, you know, anything you can talk to that speaks to that a little bit. Yeah. So I was actually having a conversation with a friend about this earlier. Uh, we were sort of sharing Instagram feeds back and forth that we really loved. And we both decided that the absolute make or break for your branding and your social media presence and your website is really good photography. You know, you can have a beautiful website and a beautiful social media feed, but if your photography looks amateurish or not really on brand for you, it will not look good. You could be taking the most beautiful website template that available or like the most beautifully designed website designed by an actual like web design um, person and and you could put bad photography in it and it's going to completely ruin it. So I think it's something that a lot of people don't really think about or don't really even think to potentially invest in but it's really really important you know I think more and more especially with all of us online right now people are more drawn to beautiful photography beautiful images and it's a real sort of um, it's a real key uh, judgment piece that clients or potential customers make, you know, does your website look beautiful? Is the photography well done? You mm -hmm. know, is, does it look professional and trustworthy? And I think that photography is really one of those things that is like a crucial, crucial element of the branding and is definitely worth investing in. Mm -hmm. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I mean, I always say that you want to, and I think like when I, I, I kind of use this tagline or slogan or whatever you want to call it, like um, 
you want your you want your images to be you and you can't be there in person and we literally can't be there in person right now so mm -hmm. um you know the idea of you know showing your face showing up um how is that kind of is that something that you practice i know i know you have photos on your website of you you know how has that made a difference i think in terms of connecting with your clients potential clients or people in general it's a good question um i have no idea for my own website um just because like in terms of the traffic that i get on it and like you know clicks per like inquiries and whatever not like the actual statistics of how my website is performing um I don't have enough sort of like data on it right now to be able to sort of break it down and see if there's a difference. Mm -hmm. um, however, I do know that on social media, the posts that have my, like me in them, like my face, <laughs> mm -hmm. do the best. People love that connection. People really like it when I go on like Instagram stories and talk about something. I don't do that a lot, but I know that I should. And I think having that, you know, face behind the, I got tagged in a, a challenge today that was like, show your face behind the brand person behind the brand or something and so like I had to post a selfie and <laughs> people love that stuff you know it's yeah so many different businesses and accounts out there that people want to connect with who you are and they buy based on emotion and being a real person on the internet and like showing photos of yourself and who you are and your personality makes a huge difference in terms of people wanting to do business with you or even just like thinking that you're cool and wanting to be your friend and then by proxy referring people to you you know, it doesn't have to be always a direct referral. Um, that's sort of the amazing thing about social media is that, you know, you can build advocates for yourself that maybe they're not doing business with you, but they will send people your way. And that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And we do, I mean, it's now we're online. We do, you know, we see, I mean, we're, we're judgmental creatures. So, and we see people like, yeah, I can connect with that person. And and um, that's kind of why I've kind of moved more into, I guess they call it personal branding photography because, or editorial style, is because I know one headshot only shows one aspect of a person. So I think mm -hmm. it's really important to have um, photographs of you as well as your work, of course. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that really show different facets of your personality and because people are going to connect with that and they laugh it up. I mean, like you said, I mean, when you post a photo of yourself and, you know, combine it with a, a cool caption or just something that's, you know, authentic coming from you, people really do connect with that. And uh, yeah. that's who you're going to really attract and connect with your people, you know, mm -hmm. just like we do in normal life. What, I guess, I know you talked about education. Is there something in particular that's next for you or a project or something that you want to tell us about? I think right now um, I'm sort of working on two things, two major things. Um, one is monthly webinars about a very, like a specific topic because the Instagram posts that I share on the carousels are all little like bite-sized information. And sometimes there's things that I want to talk about that I can't fit into like eight, 10 slides. Um, and so I really want to sort of build those into, you know, proper lectures, I guess you could say, and have them be free and just let people stop in and, and listen if they want. And I think that's something that my audience has been asking for. So I'm pretty excited to sort of figure out how to do that and, you know, launch that. Um, and then the other thing I'm working on is a course for green graphic design practices, which is more of a long-term goal. Um, but I think that's going to be really, really um, cool in the future to, to be able to build that up and launch it and have it be super comprehensive and really include all of the research that I've been doing. Because there's nothing really out 
like there's nothing like that out there and um the few times i sort of like hinted at it to uh you know my following or my friends there they've been really really excited so i think it's definitely something that people are going to be interested in and you know i'm hoping to keep it as low cost and informative as i possibly can um obviously i still have to make money but i really believe in education and research being as low cost as possible if not free um so that's going to be my both goal and struggle is to figure out how to appropriately price it and you know what sort of mm-hmm. how am I going to market that um sustainably is that did you say is that geared more for graphic designers or is that yeah. before, okay yeah this one's going to be specifically for graphic designers um I'm sort of hoping to build out other courses maybe about how to understand climate crisis or you know similar topics that mm-hmm. can be more accessible for other people too um okay yeah yeah, for now, the first one is going to just be uh, for other designers. Yeah, now I was going to ask about that, because I think, you know, the everyday person, the everyday business person even, you know, would like to know kind of what those should be. And, mm-hmm. and uh, so for us people who are not graphic designers, like what would be a couple of tips that you would impart to us on how we can, you know, be better at, you know, sustainable, if we're doing, say we're, we're doing our own um, graphic design, or just in general, like, in the home like how could we be more um what are a couple tips that you could offer about you know sustainable practices so probably the best tips i have are um use 100 percent recycled paper when you can in your printers in your design work when you're talking to printer when you're talking to like professional printers as well specifying that um for local home printers you can um, get something called sugar sheet paper which is actually really cheap. Um, it's safe for inkjet printers and laser printers. And it's basically made from um, agricultural waste uh, sugarcane residue that oh. they turn into paper. And it's, it's made by a company in Vancouver and it's really sustainable. It's like four times better than even 100% recycled oh, paper. Where do you get that? Um, you can get it at London Drugs and Staples and Monk Office Supplies, I think. Oh. It's basically like everywhere. Um, you just need to know uh, to like what to look for. But it's it's really cheap um, and it looks indistinguishable from regular paper. The other thing that you can do is you know look at your your trash, like do a little like audit on you know how much are you recycling in terms of like plastics, paper, what's going in the garbage. Are there any things like soft plastics that are consistently going in the garbage that maybe you could work on reducing like could you shop more at bulk or visit a zero waste store or maybe just like try an, as an alternative so mm-hmm. one of the first things that we did actually was get um reusable produce bags so they're just like these like white mesh bags and we just bring bring them with us to the grocery store um before covid when we were allowed to do this and you know you put your um all your products in it so you know your lettuce and your beets and your potatoes and you just put them in the bags and they're you can see what it is it's see-through yeah. um, and then you don't have to use the plastic bags every time That's and it's awesome. sort of like a good way of adding on to the you know regular reusable bag um where you really really reduce plastic we've actually like noticed because we're not allowed to do that right now we're bringing in so much more plastic than we we have been and of course there's no way around that and it's totally fine that's just mm-hmm. the way that we are uh right now the way the world is but like our plastic use has gone up like 300% because we're now having to use the store produce bags. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> but you know, the, the bags are only like a couple dollars on Amazon or even they have them for like $3 for like 
three or five at Save On Foods. Um, so it's like a really low cost option. You can also sort of like reuse jars like mustard jars um, that are glass and seal um, for bulk goods and like oatmeal or something. That's something mm. we do a lot too. Just like really, really small things. Um, yeah, it's amazing how little things can really make a huge difference. Mm -hmm. uh, even without the planes flying overhead, I've noticed that uh, the, the sky is so much clearer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Anyhow, well, thank you so much for joining me. And I'm so excited um, to get this out there. And um, I'm going to put in the description, like where people can find you, your website and everything. Um, so it's littlefoxdesign.com. And then your uh, social handle is Little Fox Design. It's Little Fox Design Studio because oh. Little Fox Design is taken. <laughs> oh, okay. There we go. Yeah. Now that's um, a little important to repeat. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I'm really, thank you so much. You're a real inspiration. And I think that uh, you shared so many great tips. And um, more importantly, you're just a huge inspiration. And I think that's what people need now is, you know, real inspiration to really, you know, you know, dig deep inside who am i what am i doing here what can mm -hmm. i do and uh, really learn from people like yourself so thank you so much and thank you for having me and for all the compliments thank you so much i'm literally just trying to do my best and my best is ever evolving and i only know as much as i know in this moment so yeah yeah and that's all we each can say i mean and, and this has been a big learning journey for me as well just kind of like okay like i was afraid to even do the show so <laughs> but you know i'm just like okay well i'm just doing my best and mm -hmm. if this helps at least one person then i'll be happy exactly yeah i think i think that's all we can do is just try our best and figure things out and you know lean into comfortable discomfort uh with what we're doing because that's how you grow and, and change um and yeah, I think you're doing great. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Eloquent Entrepreneur Conversations with Everyday Changemakers and that you're feeling supercharged and inspired to make your positive impact in the world. Because one thing I know for sure is that together we can create a lasting legacy and ignite others to do the same. To learn more about the Eloquent Entrepreneur and more, visit my website at lindamackey.ca. Bye for now.